The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Today, we're in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 7. And we're going to be really bump up to four and come our way down. Because this, this story of Jonah, if you weren't here last week, we're trying to reclaim it. We're trying to get rid of the VeggieTales effect. We've, we've been consumed by the fact that Jonah is a children's story. Because if I say Jonah and the, you say fish. And this is not a children's story. This is a story about a, a man of God who is a terrible human. And the, old, the, the shining heroes in this story are the pagan sailors and the Ninevites who were a torturous government regime. So, I need to ask you a question to prime you for today. Because today, today's message is, is falling into the deep, falling deeply asleep spiritually. And I, the question I have is this. Have any of you ever had that moment where you're doing something and then all of a sudden you don't know how you got there? It happened, example, driving. Have any of you been driving along and all of a sudden it's like you woke up, but you were driving a 4,000 pound weapon. And then you wake up and say, how did I get here? Has anyone ever had that feeling before? So most of you who drive have had that. That's terrifying. Some of you, one of you just raise your hand, you don't even drive. That terrifies me more. It's, uh, I, I used to do this uh, foolish thing. Never do this. This is bad advice. But um, I, I used to drive up to see friends at a school that was about two and a half hours away from where I lived. And we'd hang out all day, hang out into the night. And then I would be going home at night because I was like, I don't want to sleep in, the, in this dorm area. So I would get on the freeway. And this is a freeway in California. And it was multiple lanes. It was uh, five lanes at one point. And I would be so exhausted, 2.30, 3 in the morning, just bleary-eyed. There's no number of Red Bulls. Like, I did every trick in the book to stay awake. First, I'm just crushing Red Bulls. And then when that doesn't work, you start pulling your leg hair from your inner thigh. And when that doesn't work, um, you're falling asleep. The realistic human should say, I'm going to pull off, recline my seat, and sleep. But I was, not a re- I was 19 years old. So I would go in the middle lane, because no one else was on this freeway. And I would say, okay, if I close my eyes... I've got two bumps to the left and one bump to the right before I have to open them again. So I would just close my eyes. Go back to the middle lane. Close my eyes. Go back to the middle lane. This, this is in a 1987 Toyota pickup truck. It's basically like riding in a tin can down a highway with full stupidity. Like if there's a stupidity knob on my life, it was at level 11. And I would get home, and I'd wake up the next day. And so many of those nights, I'd be like, how did I get home? And I'm sure God was in heaven like, you're an idiot. I had to have like a platoon of beings because you were closing your eyes going 80 miles an hour down the I-5 freeway. You think, that's so dumb. Why would you ever do that? Well, I'm going to pose the same question to us this morning because... Many of us do this same thing spiritually. We're asleep at the wheel. We're asleep, and we're we're thinking that it'll be okay. And sometimes you might get lucky. Sometimes you might make it down the freeway a dozen times in your late teens and actually still be alive. Other times, as many of you know, life can get shipwrecked. So here's uh, the the passage today. I'm going to recap verse 4. It's not going to be on the screen. The the screen will jump up when I get to verse uh, 7. So Jonah, 
the son of Amittai, he is this prophet of God. He's a scoundrel. And he ran from God. We know the story. God said, go to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish, the opposite way, the end of the world. So it says in verse 4, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and they cried out to his God and they hurled their cargo. They were throwing their livelihood overboard to lighten the load so that the ship wouldn't go down. But Jonah had gone down, down, down into the inner part of the ship and he had lain down and was fast asleep. And really the word for fast sleep, he was in a deep sleep and that matters because there's a really cool word play here. Down, 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 down. This chapter one is full of going down. Jonah went down to Joppa, and then he went down to the ship, and he paid his fare, and then he went down to the bottom of the ship. Do you know where he's going to go down to next? The ocean. Have you ever felt like your life is just down, 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 down? And I I'm willing to wager, if you're over the age of like seven, you've had those days, those weeks. If you're over the age of 20, you've had uh, maybe those weeks or those months. If you're over the age of 30 or 40, um, you've had those months and maybe even those years where life just seemed to be declining, where nothing seemed to be working out. And this is where Jonah was. And you would look at this story from afar and say, man, why is this guy's life going so bad? Why is he letting his life just spiral down the tank? Why doesn't he get a Tony Robbins CD inspirational skit? You guys don't know who that is. Big guy, big hands. Someone said I look like Tony Robbins recently in an elevator at the hospital. It's like happiest day of my life. So here's what happens. Because he's deep in this sleep. And the captain came to him and said, what do you mean? Why are you asleep? Wake up and call out to your God. Now, Verse 7, they said to one another, come, let us cast lots. They're basically drawing straws so that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. They want to know why is this storm here? These sailors, they don't believe in God. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. They said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? What do you do for a living? And where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said to them, the simple line, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So he basically said, my God is the God of everything you see. Now, that back then they had gods for different things. They had a God of the crops. They had a God of the sun, a God of war. Jonah said, I, the God that I worship and follow, my God is a God of everything. And at this point, these sailors are thinking, why did you make this God angry? Verse 10, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. We talked about this last week. Running from God is a futile exercise. So then they say this. I love this. What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. It's a good word. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know... It is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Jonah is at the end. He doesn't want to go listen to what God said. He doesn't want to get his life in the right direction. So he tells these sailors, just toss me overboard. Anyone ever wanted to just get tossed overboard at times? I'll I'll raise my hand. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise mine. There have been times in my life, 
where fear or despair or depression or anger made me just want to throw in the towel. And, and I, I want to take a tangent here because this has been something that is so deep on my heart, and, and it's a difficult topic to bring up, but uh, multiple times in my three years here, people either related, uh, really related to the extended of the chapel family have um, un- unfortunately taken their own life. And it just happened again recently. Um, a, a local minister at another church called me and just said, uh, a, young, a young boy, young man, he just graduated from Newsom, uh, took his own life last week. And, um, and they were struggling with answers and prayer and just struggling because it's difficult. And, and I see this in Jonah, um, this desire to end it all because he, he believes that ending his existence will be better than turning and going the direction that God had asked him to go. And, and the reason I bring it up here is because it's, it's a prevalent topic. We just had two famous people who took their own lives. There have been two accounts uh, of people, families at the chapel, impacted by this and unfortunately impacted in such a way where they came to me and their first question was, so-and-so took their own life. Are they in hell forever? So I just need to say a few things. Be- because it's an epidemic, it's a 10th leading cause of, of death in our country. There's over 40,000 um, in the U.S. And to those considering it, to those who have had this, this idea of taking your own life, of suicide in your mind, I need you to listen carefully right now. Suicide is a permanent attempt to solve a temporary problem. Suicide is a permanent attempt to solve a temporary problem, and it never feels that way. It feels like your problems will last forever, but I need you to lodge that in your mind if this is something you have struggled with. You, you don't have to die to end your pain or find freedom from your problems. And I, I want to talk about this today because it's so painful. Because walking with this person this past weekend, I just, I, I prayed and I tried to give counsel. And, and it's the same story. We, we never saw it coming. We, we would have never thought that this person would have. Like maybe they had some of the signs. Maybe they were a little off, a little depressed. But we never thought they would go this far. So, so if you're here today and you're struggling, dep- despair, fear, depression, anger, you need to start by realizing that there's no emotion that will last forever. No emotion. Happiness will not last forever. Can I get an amen from someone older than 12? Okay. Um, sadness will not last forever. Can I get an amen from someone who's been in a dark valley? Okay. Uh, despair will not last forever. Can I get an amen for someone who's had the dark night of the soul and God has brought them out of it? Amen. Uh, We need to understand that no emotion, good or bad, will last forever. Don't make a decision when you're feeling depressed or afraid or scared. Share your emotions with another person. Can you say share it? Okay, I just need you to say it out loud because here's what happens. We carry these things alone. Jonah was the only Hebrew on this boat. Jonah didn't run away with people. Uh, He was a prophet. He likely had friends, maybe some family. And, and back then, you lived in the, the town with your family. It's like, like here, when I wanted to make Tampa my family, what I did was I, I made beautiful grandchildren, and I held them up on Facebook for all of the grandparents to see. I said, do you want to be part of their lives, or do you want to be terrible humans? So now all of the grandparents are here. My mom and stepdad are here. My in-laws are here now. And, and this, this is what it would have been like for Jonah, but nobody was with him. He went alone. He ran alone. He despaired alone. He went down to the depths of the ship alone, and he said, 
to the sailors, throw me over this boat because I'm alone. It, if, you, if you are feeling any level of it, not, not doesn't even have to be to the level of, of suicide or taking your own life or harming yourself. If you're at the level of feeling depression or despair, fear, if there's abuse going on in your life, just grab someone by the collar that you trust and say, I need help. And there's enough of us here who I believe will say, I'll do anything. I'll go with you to any meeting. I'll walk with you through any valley. I'll be there. I'll keep my phone ringer on at night, even though I've got an, a 10-day-old baby. Because I care enough. Jonah needed someone like that. Now, the amazing thing about Jonah's story is that God knew his heart. And God had a rescue mission for him. God isn't, God isn't about to send a fish because he's mad at Jonah. God's about to send a fish because he loves Jonah. Now we, as the family of God, we, we ideally would never let someone go full Jonah. And, and if, if you're in here and someone else that's a chapel family, you can use that phrase from now on. If you see someone running from God, if you see someone about to drown in despair or depression, just grab them by the collar and say, hey, are you doing okay? It's, it's okay to ask someone that. It's okay to ask someone how they're feeling. It's okay to talk about things in the church that I think we've ignored for far too long, things like mental illnesses. Because the, the question that I get, that I told you, is so-and-so took their own life, are they in hell forever? That comes from uh, the Catholic doctrine that says you have to confess every sin in order to be absolved of it. So you can't confess the sin of suicide. And, and I understand their logic. The problem is, is that if we all confessed every single sin that all of us did, we would be confessing forever. Are you tracking? I would be there saying, Lord, I'd still be probably on age six. And if I ever made it to my teen years, I don't think I would ever finish confessing out of my teen years. It would just be one bad choice after the other. I'd have to do the most gener generic blanket prayers. Lord, forgive me for all those times that I lusted after. And if I just had to write down names, I'd still be there. If I had to write down names for the number of times I was selfish instead of selfless, I'd still be there. Don't, don't let those... Don't let those lies keep you down. I, I love the story of Martin Luther, um, the German guy. They, uh, a young boy, allegedly, had taken his own life. And, and there's a, a story that Martin Luther went in and took the boy's body, and he buried it in the cemetery of the saints, which was forbidden. And the, the church got mad at him. This was before he peeled away from the Catholic church. And he said, when a man is assaulted in the woods by robbers and killed, we don't question that his salvation because we know that these people killed this man. This young boy, as many who despair, are assaulted by forces and beings that we just simply cannot see, but it does not mean they were not assaulted. Just because it's a spiritual evil that assaults them doesn't make it any less sad and death and murder. It's, and he took the boy and he put, them, put him allegedly in the, the cemetery of the saints. Because we are saved, not based on how many times we can confess. We're saved in the fact that we live a life of confessing and putting our trust in Jesus, that he is enough. So if you're despairing, share it with somebody. Grab somebody. If you're worried about a friend, grab them. There is no 
suicide is not an unforgivable sin. There, there's one in the Bible, but it's not suicide. There's no shame in having a mental illness. There's no shame in being depressed. There's no shame in being at the bottom. Find someone you trust. You good, Chapel fam? Okay. It's serious, but I, I don't want to have the conversations on the other end of this. Even though, Jonah said, throw me overboard, verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous, so they called out to the Lord, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. I've been hitting the pool this week. I'm just trying to crush the pool this year. And my kids are all at that age where it is a blast to throw them. Like, dads, do you remember that age? Remember that age? Some of you, you're like, I don't remember that age. Like, Harry's like, I cannot throw Xavier for anything right now. Xavier could throw you probably, but you couldn't throw him. Um, Silas is my favorite. For whatever reason, the way Silas is built, he weighs the same as Savannah, but when you pick him up, he's, he's much lighter. And he's so much fun to throw. It's like um, you can just pick him up with one hand, and his board is stiff, like a popsicle stick. And I could throw him so far, it borders on someone calling CPS on me. So I don't. I just toss him gently, in case someone listens to this recording online. Gently tossed. Um, no, uh, but we throw, and he flies, and he flies long enough to do um, hands, so I could throw him, and he could do like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that's what I'm picturing right here, because <laughs> these guys are about to die, like if you've ever thrown something with all of your might, it, you get this super strength. When I, when I was moving this concrete tree planter for a job I had as a teenager, we were moving it to plant a tree in another part, and it was this huge concrete thing. And there were three of us. We had a jack thing that we were lifting it with, and we had lifted it up. And the other guys let go without telling me, and this giant, like, I don't know how big concrete, like the one that trees go in, it fell on my hand. Ugh. And I was like, no! And the other guys were smaller, like me, and they were like trying to lift it up, get it up off his hand. My hand was just getting crushed. It's okay now. It did crack down the middle. Uh, but then, out of nowhere, this huge mechanic comes, because it was at a car dealership, and he just comes bounding up, and he grabs the whole thing and goes, ah! And he lifts it up just enough for me to pull my finger out to watch a Grey's Anatomy episode shoot out of my hand. Now I thought, I'll bet you that guy couldn't lift that up if I wasn't trapped. He was doing it to save a life. How strong do you think you'd get to save your own life? I've seen some of you. I've seen some of you run when danger strikes. I've seen some of you when something bad is going on and you didn't even know you had those cat-like reflexes. Something goes on and, and you, you, know this, you know the feeling, right? All of a sudden, something goes and somehow you're 10 feet back, and your phone's already out, and it's already on Instagram Live. Can you believe it? How did I get here? I'm a ninja. I'm sure there was just one wave, because they were saying, no, we can't kill this guy, because if God's that mad at him now, how mad will God get if we throw him overboard? And there's just one wave, and one guy in the boat like, dude, it's time. This guy's got to go. 
And it's that fear of Jonah's face, like, uh-oh. Like, I told him the idea, but I didn't think it was a good idea because it was a storm. And he throws him out, and just like a cartoon, he hits the water, and it's so hard, he floats for a second on the surface, then he sinks. And he's probably thinking, finally, this is it. Now, Jonah had gone to the depths. He had fallen asleep. If, if we are... If we are not paying attention to our life, we can become like Jonah. Jonah ignored the Lord, went away from the Lord, became spiritually uncaring, and he wreaked havoc on those around him. If you peel away from God's principles, away from God's ways, don't be surprised when your life turns into a wrecking ball and it's knocking people over around you. Do not be surprised. It it happens when we let sin in. Sin doesn't just break us. It affects those around us. Some of you know this because you you may have people in your life who are wrecking balls. They're one crew wrecking balls. And every time they're around, it feels like there's danger. Jonah was selfish enough to get these sailors in a deep, deep pickle. And they threw him over for it. Now, why does this matter? If you you fall asleep like Jonah did at the wheel, if you drift in life, um, you, you will fail. I'm just going to, we just got to shoot it straight today. And it works this way with everything in life. We all know this. And because I've been doing, I, I want to give you some examples. Health, right? You guys know I've been talking about health and, and being uh, fit. And I did this 30-day vegan challenge, which, by the way, I had fish this week. It was like eating fluffy clouds from heaven upon my tongue. Um, and, and health, if you just let it slide, generally... It goes bad for you, right? And if it doesn't go bad for you yet, it's because you're like 13. I, I found myself this past week because um, I'm, I'm aging up, and I have a, quite a few friends now who are all turning 40 this year, and I'm just laughing at them. I'm just thinking like, dude, 40 this year. Uh, oh, Enriquez is here somewhere too, right? Where are you at? 40, 40 this year. And some of you who are 50 are like, you don't even know. You don't even know. I do know this. The first time I threw my back out, it wasn't because I was powerlifting. It's because I was emptying a dishwasher. I do know this, that when I wake up in the morning, every morning now, I do my prayers of gratitude before my feet get off the bed. The first thing I do when my feet hit the floor is I stretch. I do like one of these over, over, down. And it sounds like I'm at a chiropractor at a mega church, and 2,000 people are getting busted up. If, if I sit down too long, I can't even sit up, stand up without exhaling or grunting. Sometimes I can't sit down without grunting. Some of you are like, what does that mean? If you don't know what that means, listen to your dad next time he sits down. It's like this. And then listen to him when he stands up. We laugh because it's true. Now, now health-wise, we're not going to, we don't fall into being healthy. You have to, A, you have to, you have to pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to what you're putting in your mouth and, and what you're doing for exercise. It's, it's the same with, with God's stuff. If you don't pay attention to God's voice, you're not going to become spiritually healthy. You will continue to have this wrecking ball effect. 
It's the same with, with finances. It could be with health. You first pay attention to what's going on. Second, put the right things in, do the right output out, and then make a plan and be in community. I mean, it's a very simple recipe. The reason why people succeed at getting fit is because they're part of a community. If you want to try it out, you should. we have this thing out here called Camp Gladiator. They will torture you for a nominal fee. But it's not the torture you're paying for. It's the community of people that are coming along with you. It's the structure. It's the plan, what you put in, what you put out. Same with finances. I see this constantly with finances. People are like, oh, I just need to make more money. I just need to make more money. And we have this epidemic. We have this epidemic in this city and really in our culture of, of what I call the, the $30,000 millionaires, right? They're the people who make $30,000 and they have $100 shoes. It, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy to see people that say, I, I make this, so now I'm going to spend all of this money. I'm going to get credit and debt. And then you get into a pit and you say, how do I get out of here? It's, you make a plan. It's very easy. If you have a dollar, you should spend 80 cents of it. That makes it easy for me. If you get $100, I give 10% to Jesus. 10% should be saved. Some of you are like, you can save money? Yeah. If, you're, if you look at me and you're like, I'm younger than you, you should just delete Social Security from your vocabulary. It will not be there for us. Most likely. How are you being strategic about your relationship with God so that you don't fall asleep with God? How are you making a plan and what does it look like? Because if you don't, we drift into becoming these wrecking ball type people. We drift into what I drifted to health-wise when I moved to Florida. I didn't plan. on When I moved here, I was around 205, 210 pounds. And then I moved in. And you guys are amazing humans. You guys well, you, you, I, I call it you Cracker Barrel everything. My very first meal in Florida was at Cracker Barrel with Edwin and Kathy. They brought me in there, and I was like, what's okra? I didn't know. I tried it. And then I tried the uh, chicken and dumplings. Have you guys ever had Cracker Barrel chicken and dumplings? As a kid from California who grew up on, like, lettuce and oats, I was pumped. But then all of a sudden, last March... I'm rolling into my late 30s, and I think, I weigh 200, and I'm gonna, we're just going to call it 225 pounds, but that was my driver license weight, okay? That's what we're going to call that. <laughs> like, only the girls are laughing. They're like, <laughs> me too. Uh, so, so I went all crazy, and now, like, I'm, I don't know, 202, 204 pounds around there, and uh, it didn't happen on accident. Some of you think, well, if I just attend church, then I'll just like magically become spiritually disciplined. No, you won't. If this is your only meal a week, you will die spiritually. If this is the only time you're connecting with God, I, I'm glad. Be here. I love it that you're here. But don't, don't count on this to get you through. And if you, don't, if you think I'm being foolish, try this. Only drink liquids and eat food for one hour a week. I dare you. You won't even be here next week. But fear not, I've lost weight, so I fit into my funeral suit again. <laughs> You're laughing. But we do it spiritually all the time. So first, make a plan. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be time-consuming. So, so for me, um, give thanks to God before I get out of the bed. Move my feet over. Go to the chiropractor of stretching. 
I, I pray for certain people when I brush my teeth. We have mirrors, all of us in our bathroom. I know this because we're in America. Um, it, get a dry erase marker and put a couple prayers on the top of the mirror. So when you brush your teeth in the morning, when you're still waking up, you could say, I'm just going to pray while I brush my teeth. It's a twofer. One, great dental hygiene. Two, lift up the needs of others to God. Don't put your name up there. Don't be a fool. Put other people up there. If you're like me, you might have a glass shower door. It's more opportunity to pray. Sometimes in there, I like to pray for the secret things because people tell me things, and I don't want to like write those down. So sometimes I'll write people that I'm praying for in the fog. And I know, like, don't mental image this whole thing, but just I'm praying for this thing. I can't write it down. I can't talk about it out loud, but God, I just need to, I'm, I'm a tactile person. Make a plan of how you're going to grow this week. Make a plan on how you are going to talk to God. That's prayer. Make a plan on how you're going to hear God talk to you. That's called reading the Bible. Some people say, I never hear God talk to me. The easiest way to hear God talk to you is to open the Bible and read it out loud. Because the Bible is God's what? Word. So if you read those words out loud through your brain, eyes, ears, voice, boom, it goes around, comes back in. The Holy Spirit of God will speak to you. Don't wait for God to whisper in your ear. God can do that, but it's rare. Let God's word transform you. When are you going to read your Bible? Where are you going to read in your Bible? How long are you going to read in your Bible? It doesn't have to be long. Get, get the app. It'll tell you how many days in a row you've read. And we all are much more simple than we want to pretend. Because when you open your app and it says, streak, two days in a row, you open this app. And there's like a little lightning up there. And they have badges you can get. It's like you just transported me right back into the age where I should have gone into the Boys and Girls Club or the, uh, the Boy Scouts. I never did that. But I get badges now. I'm like, dude, I want some badges. I want to open this app every day. And maybe you're just reading the verse of the day, but you're thinking about it. You're chewing on it. And then get with a community of people. The reason these, these gladiator people and, and fitness people, they do better together, is because it's really hard to, to do things on your own. We have a couple people in here who are super fit people. Like, like Janice, she teaches insanity. If you want, uh, CG is like torture level number one. Insanity with Janice, only go there if you really hate yourself, okay? If you just want to be destroyed, Physically, if you don't want to be able to sit down for a week and a half, right? Give or take a week and a half. Can't even sit down. If you want that kind of fun in your life. But the thing about going to these classes, and it's, it's, I've done it many times with different things, with, with fishing or fitness or health or Bible study. When you have someone to walk with you, it's so much easier. Because A, you could say, man, it's hard for them too. Walking intentionally with Jesus is difficult. As soon as you decide to do that, everything to distract you is going to flood up into your mind. You've got to make a plan, but that plan should involve others because the other people can say, hey, I'm struggling too. Let's just keep going through it. I'm struggling, but we can do this together. We need to wake up, fam. We need to wake up from the slumber. We need to, to talk to God with prayer. We need to hear from God, read the word. We need to be strategic about it. Make the plan and be it, all of that in community. If you don't have community, I'll be your friend. Just like Woody said, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. If you don't want to be my friend, pick someone else. I've got plenty of friends, but I'll try to add you for a minute. Get out the smelling salts. Wake up. Don't let yourself fall into the deep depths where you find despair and you begin to wreck others because you don't want to turn the life around. God can help you do this. Jesus did it for you, actually. 
He gave you the path forward, and it's one of free belief. Say, Jesus, I can't do this. I've done wrong. I'm coming at you. Don't expect to be perfect, but expect the imperfect journey that will drag you toward God in ways that will make you a healthier person spiritually. And and I'm going to wager to say if you can dial in your spiritual workout routine, your spiritual relationship routine, it's actually going to change much, much more in your life. It's going to change the way your finances are viewed. It's going to change your relationships. It's going to change your health. Because when your soul begins to aim toward the being who created it, everything begins to sync up and fall into place in ways that that I don't think we fully understood as humans. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity be saved by you. I thank you for the opportunity to be covered by your grace. I thank you for the opportunity that, that, Lord, when I was at my depths, you, you, Lord, still chased me down. And God, next week is the fish. So prepare us, God, for the loving fish. Prepare those who are in here looking for answers of how to get out of the fish's belly. Prepare us to know and understand why you are calling us home through difficult circumstances. And this week, God, I pray that we would be intentional, that we would make a plan about how we speak to you, about how we hear from you, and about who we do it with. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen.